Welcome to the third live session of the Digital Spring School Brain, Lifestyle and uh, Learning. Uh, my name is Renate de Groot and also today I will be your host. Uh, this initiative is financially supported by the National Initiative uh, Brain and Cognition. And today is the first day of our second uh, topic, nutrition. Uh, my guest of today is Dr. Ondine van der Rest. Welcome Ondine from Wageningen University. And could you please introduce yourself in a couple of sentences? Yes, of course. So yeah, as you said, my name is Ondine van der Rest. I'm a nutritionist. So I studied uh, human nutrition at Wageningen University a few years ago. Uh, after that, I did my uh, PhD research, uh, which focused on the effect of omega-3 fatty acids on uh, cognitive decline in elderly. And since then, I'm uh, yeah, working on the relations of many different nutrients in, uh, yeah, in relation to cognitive functioning in particular. Okay, that's very clear. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we opened this uh, second statement in our learning activities. Uh, sorry, we opened the second topic in our learning uh, activities with a statement. And I would also like to have your reaction uh, on the statement. And the statement was, uh, fish consumption will solve many attentional problems in schools. What do you think about that? I would think that is a nice topic to do a lot of more research on, because uh, there are some studies done on that, but uh, far not clear and far not enough. So, uh, so let's see what we say in 10 years. But no clear yes or no for you? No, for me not, no. Okay. Well, what are today's topics? Where are we going to talk about? Now, nutrition and the brain. So, yeah, we are talking about yeah, why nutrition and the brain? Why would there be uh, a relation? Uh, what are some mechanisms behind that? Uh, after that, we will focus on different uh, nutrients, the ones that are uh, particularly investigated so far. And, yeah, we conclude with some, yeah, we call it, let's say, uh, take-home messages maybe, and uh, some implications. Yeah. So, in summary, we actually have three blocks uh, today a theoretical background, uh, the state of art, and the implications. Yes. Okay. Uh, for the people at home, each block will take approximately uh, 15 minutes. After those 15 minutes, you can again ask your uh, questions through the chat function, and I will forward them to uh, Ondine. Um, Ondine, the first topic we should discuss is the theoretical uh, background. So. Yeah, maybe we should start with why is nutrition actually important for brain functioning? Yeah, that's the, 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 the most logical question to start with. Uh, I will also explain that uh, by using my first slide, which is this one. It's uh, actually a very simple slide, but it shows very clearly, I think, the interrelation because uh, on the one hand, the brain is uh, regulating what we eat, uh, how much appetite we have. It's uh, regulating different hormones, affecting that. But on the other, the other way around, the brain is also dependent on what we eat. Uh, yeah, how much we eat, what things we eat, there is also important. Uh, now yeah, and then the question is, of course, yeah, what should we eat, how much, when shall we eat it, uh, during the life cycle, etc. Uh, another thing to add is, yeah, there are, uh, it's also already a little bit mechanistically, uh, nutrition uh, is, yeah, many nutrients are important building blocks, of, for example, membranes, also membranes of the brain. They serve as cofactors in uh, a lot of processes, also mm -hmm. in neurotransmission, for example. And they are an important fuel for the brain, uh, glucose, for example. Uh, these are just some examples that I think make clear that, yeah, nutrition is part of the but process. But it's dependent from the nutrient what kind of function they fulfill in the body in yes. relation to brain function. Often it is. There are some that have uh, similar uh, mechanisms of similar functions, but there are also many differences, yes. And are there also particular periods uh, when nutrition is more important uh, than in other, part, uh, in other periods? So sensitive periods, for example. Uh, yes, there are. Of course, adequate nutrition is, is always important, but the, the periods where the brain is most dependent are also the periods where there is a higher need for nutrients. So you, then you can think of, uh, yeah, it's already starting in utero, for example, what the mother is eating, because then the brain of the, of the, fe the fetus starts to develop. Then in the first few uh, years of life, uh, yeah, there is a, a large brain development. 
Uh, I have also a slide about that, so uh, I will show that now, just as an, uh, yeah, as an indication that uh, yeah, the brain weight in the first three years of life, uh, it is growing a lot. Uh, in the at birth, it's 25% of the adult uh, brain weight, which you can see there. And then when the child is three years old, it's already 75%. If you relate that to the, to the total body weight, that's a big difference. That's only 24%. So that growth will come later on. Uh, you also see that in a, when you look at a child, the, the, the head is relatively large compared to the rest of the body. So that's clear. You can also see it from the number of brain cells. Uh, yeah, the first three years you go from 25% to, to 90 to 95%. So a lot is happening during these, uh, during these years. So especially prenatally and childhood is a very important it's period. It's very important. Yeah. Can you identify other sensitive periods? Yes, then we go to the other end of the life spectrum, more or less. When, uh, yeah, when people grow older, everyone will know that yeah, the people start to suffer from cognitive complaints, uh, memory complaints, things like that. It's also proven when people age that the brain starts to shrink, so it's e actually even getting smaller, yeah, meaning that also some functions will become, uh, will become impaired. Uh, I also have a slide about that. Uh, which also explains now a little bit the part of the nutrition. Uh, because with aging, yeah, we all start with a certain uh, level of cognitive functioning that is shown. Here is my mouse. Here. So uh, one person starts with a lower level than the other person. Now, we all uh, grow older, we start to decline, but when the decline starts, that different, that's different per person. Also, the, uh, the rate of the decline is different. It's steeper for some persons that will also actually end up with, for example, dementia, and other ones stay relatively cognitively healthy. That is not only explained by nutrition, but at least it shows that, uh, yeah, that it's different. So it's not something that is fixed, but it's depending on different lifestyle factors that, uh, that are modifiable. Uh, two weeks ago, Erik Scherder, but also last week, Martin van Dijk and uh, uh, Laura Jonker referred to adolescence as another sensitive uh, period. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think it is a sensitive period. Th the difficult thing is that, to the best of my knowledge, there is not so much research performed on the effects of nutrients in, in adolescence. So it's hard to say uh, something about that, but what I know is that uh, even till the age of about 20, the brain is still developing a lot. So if we talked about these first three years, uh, I can go back to one slide here where you can, uh, where you can see uh, yeah, something about that development. I think I have to walk you through, through all these uh, yeah, pictures of the, of the head. You, you see yeah, the we, head. We saw this slide also before, but okay. maybe you can explain a bit very once again. Very shortly, we see, we see the head, we see it from, uh, yeah, from the front and we see it from from above you see all different kinds of colors uh, the blue yeah you see that uh, people uh, age from five, five to 20 years old every few years a scan has been uh, has been made here and what you can see is that the blue part there the brain is mature so you see that when when someone is 20 years most of the parts of the brain are matured but even not all and what you can also see is yeah, that it's, it's different per, uh, per stage. And nutrients can help in the yeah. outgrowth or the maturation of the brain. They can help, at least that, yeah, that, that, this is, uh, that the brain is developing in the most optimal, optimal way, which, which, which is important. They have, for example, shown that as well, that, even that children who have a deficiency, the first two years of life, that has implications. Uh, till very late in their later life, it could even maybe uh, predict the risk of uh, dementia. So, yeah, I would say it's an important period. And of course, another very important question is then, which nutrients are we talking about? Which nutrients do have an effect on brain functioning? And if so, how do they have an effect? That's a very broad question. Uh, Maybe you can just pick some I can pick most some, uh, important nutrients. Yeah, I would like to start with glucose then, because yeah, it is in a way considered as the most important nutrient for the brain. It is the, the main fuel for the brain. 
So of, the, of all the energy we consume, 20% uh, is used for the brain. That is, that is quite a lot because it's, it's the, the, as an organ, it's not that big. In children, it's even 40%. So glucose is, uh, is really important as a, as a fuel. Um, yeah, it, they, they did some research. It also has, has some acute effects. So if there you have a highly demanding uh, situation, difficult task, and you take some glucose, that may help you in performing that task uh, better or having a, a little bit better memory. But then I talk more about the acute effects. And it's also not that the more glucose you use, the better you will become. There's a kind of ceiling effect in that. And also you have, of course, the other side. If you think about too much glucose, you also have to keep in mind the carriers and the obesity. So it's, it's not used in, in that way. But uh and in this respect, you are uh, talking about glucose. Does this also apply to the carbohydrates as the whole group? Or as the whole group? Partly. That's uh, yeah. This for me a difficult question. It's it's not my my area of of expertise, and I know there are some studies performed, but also not sufficiently. Um, yeah, carbohydrates are important, and that is also the yeah the way they serve as a glucose uh, source, of course. But that will also depend what else, what other things you eat, proteins, okay. fats. I, I, would, I would, could not say, okay, you have to eat that amount of carbohydrates in combination with that. Uh, yeah, difference between difficult. the simple and the complex carbohydrates. Ooh. But that the complex carbohydrates should be split up and in that respect are a fuel for more longer term effects. Yeah. But maybe we go on with another nutrient which might be yes. uh, important. Uh, Another any other? one. Let's see. Then I will go to uh, yeah to my favorite topic, the omega-3 fatty acids, and I think it's also yeah maybe also the, s the second one on the list for uh, for more people because if you look at the brain, it's a very fatty organ. So uh, yeah, if, if you have the dry weight of the brain, 60% is uh, is fat. If you look at particular fatty acids, uh, yeah, one of the major fatty acids in the brain is uh, is DHA. Docosahexaenoic acid is a fish fatty acid. I will uh, ha I have a slide to show you a little bit of the background uh, of that fatty acid. Uh, that's here. Omega-3 fatty acids, an important source uh, is, is fish, the most important source. And they are uh, described by very long chain. A human cannot make it themselves. Uh, a little bit. Uh, that's why I showed the... Yeah, the, the whole conversion on the right. Uh, you, yeah, you can consume it directly uh, as, uh, as EPA or as DHA. You can also consume uh, the, the, a vegetable version, which is part of vegetable oils or nuts, oh. for example. Uh, and that can be converted to these longer chain fatty acids by making new double bounds, uh, adding extra carbon atoms, etc. But this um, conversion is very limited in humans. So you can consume it, it can be converted. But uh, what people think now is that you also have to consume it directly by means of, for example, eating, uh, eating fish. And the way it would work? The mechanism. The messing. Uh, oh yeah, that's where we also were. Then I will go to the next slide, which is here. There are different mechanisms proposed. I already told a little bit about the uh, yeah the fatty organ that the brain is. That's also uh, yeah shown a little bit uh, on the in the picture on the on the right. You see that yeah that's how a membrane is built and. Uh, the, the fatty acids are very important building blocks of that, uh, of that membrane. So you can imagine that they are important for the, for the structure and the st st stability, also for the, um, yeah, the perfusion of the, of the brain cells. Uh, another mechanism which is, is pretty popular is, the, uh, is by means of cardiovascular mechanisms. So for example, what you see here, atherosclerosis, uh, yeah, if that is more severe, then the, the, the blood perfusion is, is not so well. And omega-3 fatty acids uh, probably have an effect on that. So that are some, some examples by which okay. they, uh, they seem to be uh, And in the, in the next block, we will continue with the current state of art, uh, yes. I suppose, as this is also your favorite uh, mm -hmm. nutrients. Yes. Are there any other nutrients you would like to mention here? 
I would like to mention, yeah, then I will go to the, to the B vitamins. Uh, why I do these is because most of the research last year has focused on omega-3 B vitamins, so they, uh, they seem to be important. Uh, I have another slide also to illustrate that. Uh, when I talk about B vitamins, uh, yeah, I talk about vitamin B2, B6, B12, folic acid. Uh, they are yeah, uh, important uh, nutrients. You can eat them by, for example, uh, dairy products, meat, fish, uh, legumes, uh, yeah, foods like that. Uh, the picture I have, it, it looks very complicated, and I, I won't guide you through to all the picture, but this is the, the homocysteine pathway. Homocysteine is an amino acid, and maybe people know it because it has been uh, associated with a higher risk on cardiovascular cardiovascular disease, but also a higher risk of uh, cognitive uh, decline. Uh, what you can see at least is that for many different uh, reactions in this uh, pathway, you can see that the B vitamins have important roles. You can see the B12 uh, there. You can see the folate that is important for different steps, and the vitamin B6, for example. So this, this is a very common reaction in the body, uh, methylation processes. So that's where the different nutrients uh, come in. And also in the brain, it's, uh, it is important homocysteine. Uh, yeah, it, it has been thought that it can maybe even have direct toxic effects. Okay, very clear. You told me already shortly that you also shortly want to go into the details of vitamin uh, D. Yes. You want to know all the mechanisms about that as well? No, short <laughs> some. Short some. I don't have a slide, but that's not uh, that's that's not a problem. Uh, what I know uh, to to uh, to absorb vitamin D, uh, certain receptors are needed. Uh, many of these receptors, the VDR receptors, they are called. Uh, the, the amount is relatively large in the brain, especially in the hippocampus and in the cortex. So these are important uh, brain areas for cognitive functioning. These receptors are there for the vitamin D, yeah, probably with a reason, so that's, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, if we take the whole picture into account, eh, we only mentioned uh, uh, three possible nutrients now, the, the uh, glucose, uh, no, four, glucose, the omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, and the uh, mm -hmm. B vitamins. Are there any other nutrients you want to mention, just mention them, because just I also mention. would like to continue with questions from the chat. Yes, uh, there are many, yeah, what, is it really nutrient? I can talk about alcohol, I can talk about coffee, which is, has been investigated quite a lot. Uh, ginkgo biloba is not really a nutrient, I think, but something that people often have in mind in relation to cognitive performance. Uh, Yodine. Yeah, iodine and iron, for example, are, uh, yeah, I don't know how, they will be important when the brain is aging, although the research in that area is, is very scarce, as far as I know. Mostly it has been investigated in, uh, in younger children, and then also mostly in developing countries, because there people are still deficient. Here in, Euro yeah, in Europe, for example, these deficiencies are not there, but iron deficiency is worldwide a very common deficiency. And the studies that have been performed are also pretty convincing that iron is really needed to uh, have an optimal cognitive development. And that's also one of the nutrients that if you have a shortage in the first few years of yeah. life, that you can still uh, have the, the consequences much later in life, mm -hmm. and the same counts for, for iron. There is some research on zinc and B vitamins in children, but that amount of research is so limited, just a few studies, so I, I, would, I, I would not dare to say uh, yeah. anything about that. It's not convincing. Yeah. Maybe we should note anyway that today we focus on the Western countries, eh? yes. because we are yes. not talking about total malnutrition or total undernutrition, yes, for example, that's because true. that's a whole different uh, uh, story. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for this nice overview. Um, the question from the chat, and then I first continue with the question of Nick van Wijk, which considers the omega-3 fatty acids. Yes. Uh, omega-3 fatty acids are believed to influence membrane fluidity. 
this might be one of the mechanistic ways by uh, which these fatty acids can be beneficial for brain function. What's your opinion about membrane fluidity and the hypothesis that this is a major determinant for membrane-related processes? Yeah, uh, that's also what the picture showed uh, that I had here. It's an important building block, so that, uh, that's also why I use this as an example. So I indeed uh, think that it is an important factor uh, in the permeability and as such an important uh, nutrient affecting uh, cognitive functioning. Noortje uh, Muselaars is asking, omega-3 fish oil supplement benefits were doubted a couple of weeks ago in the newspapers. Uh, do you consider such dietary supplements to be substantially beneficial to the enhancements of cognitive development? Maybe I should uh, nuance this. I think it had to do with the, um, um, the ratio between the omega-3 and the omega-6 and that especially the omega-6 were not so positively associated, but maybe you can explain a bit the difference between the omega-3 and the omega-6 and, the omega and elaborate yeah. on that. I missed the message in the newspaper, so that's a pity, but uh, nevertheless, I, I can go base it on my own uh, knowledge. Uh, the research uh, with relation to omega-3 and cognitive function is, is quite abundant. The research in relation of uh, omega-6 fatty acids and cognitive performance, it's not is it there? I, I, I even don't know. So that's not very clear. What I know from all the research uh, based on cardiovascular diseases, there's a lot of research there in omega-3 and omega-6. They often also talk about the balance. You have believers and non-believers in this balance because how it works with the balance is, yeah, when you have more of one, you will have less of the other. And what people say is that our diet has developed the last hundreds or thousands of years that we are eating less omega-3 now and more omega-6 and that maybe this may be harmful. I don't know yet. The, the, the uh, opinions about that are so, uh, so controversial that it's uh, difficult to say. Uh, if we go back to supplements, because that's where the question started with, I, if I remember well, I'm personally not very fond of supplements, at least not as long as it is not officially proven. Uh, I've children myself, I give them vitamin D for that, it's pretty much proven. I don't give them fish oil, why not? Yeah, I don't think it would really be harmful, but on the other hand, I think when they eat healthy, they, they, eat, they eat fish sometimes, and it's not proven yet, why would I pay 10 euros for that and give it to them? So that's my personal opinion, but it reflects it's also a bit My more idea. the implications, yeah? so maybe Already we should come back to that in our third Maybe, block. but yeah, that, that's yeah. guided by the question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, thank you. Um, Martin van Dijk is asking, you explained the cardiovascular mechanism uh, when you were talking about omega-3 fatty acids. In line with this, does this mean that also sunflower oil, olive oil and even wine has positive effects on the brain, since it's known that these products have positive effects on the cardiovascular system? Uh, I would say yes, but then when I go to all the research, eh, as all scientists do, it's, it's not always convincing, but, um, but for olive oil, it's part of the Mediterranean diet, like is also fish and other uh, factors. And there is the amount of research there is growing and growing, and it sounds uh, pretty promising. Uh, a little bit of wine is also part of that diet, and there's also research performed on uh, yeah, looking at alcohol or wine uh, uh, on, it, on its own. And indeed, um, it's even part of the guidelines that yeah, al alcohol in very moderate amounts is beneficial for cardiovascular disease. Probably that would be the same for cognitive uh, functioning and cognitive decline. The research about that is uh, also says it like that. It shows effects for total, or I would have to say associations, because trials are not performed with alcohol because that's pretty, for ethical reasons, that's pretty difficult to force people to drink a certain amount of alcohol. But when you look at associations, uh, yes, a little bit of alcohol seems to be beneficial uh, in moderate amounts because we all also know that, uh, on the other hand, that's the paradox of alcohol. If you have uh, alcohol in, uh, in high amounts, it's toxic and uh, it affects the neurotransmitter, then it's not good. 
but uh, in moderate amounts, and particularly wine, it has uh, flavonoids. That's an important component of wine, which is an antioxidant. So wine, maybe even more than total alcohol, is, uh, is important. Uh, I want to say a little bit about the moderate amounts, because maybe people want to know about that, although it could be an implication as well. Uh, the definition of a moderate amount is a little bit uh, heterogeneous. It goes from one to three consumptions per day, and it's different for men and women. Often one for women, two for men. So that's about the amount uh, that is advised. But I would do not want to say st all start drinking that, because otherwise you will have decline, because it's, it's a sensitive topic. When I talk about this in, uh, with lay people, yeah, they almost start to think, oh, well, uh, but how does that happen if people are sensitive to become an alcoholist? It's sensitive, but based on the scientific knowledge, I cannot deny that it's, hmm. yeah, it shows something that okay. could be beneficial. Uh, Leonie Uitewilge is asking, uh, would you say that for nutrition, as also with physical activity, healthy consumption uh, could increase the cognitive reserve in humans? And yes. You are also a specialist in aging, so in this aging. must be a question yeah, 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 yeah. for your heart, to your heart. No, well, I already told a little bit about the large implications of a shortage early in life of only, for example, one nutrient like iron. And if you look at cognitive reserve, it, it has been shown that the larger the reserve is you, uh, you have during the first years of life, maybe even till 20 years, yeah, you, you can do something with that reserve when you are aging. You can, uh, you can build on that reserve system uh, as, a spare, as a spare system, let's say it like that. And there are some scientists who also say, yeah, we are all focusing now on the cognitive decline and which nutrients we have to eat and which not. Maybe we should focus much more on creating the maximal reserve during the, the first years of life so that people have that reserve and they will be fine in the end. But that's what some people During say. the first uh, years of life or even prenatally? That could also be, yeah. It already starts there, as soon as the brain starts developing, yeah. But it's difficult to do research over such a large lifespan and follow people and especially yeah. follow what they eat all the time, what their mothers eat all the time. Well, I think this but is a nice bridge to our second uh, block, yeah. uh, the state of art uh, as, uh, at this moment. Yeah. Um, what are the most recent findings in this field? In this field? Uh, the hottest topic uh, the last few years, because omega-3 fatty acids are already a little bit old, but I will tell about that as well. But I would like to start with the vitamin D, because that seems to be quite a, quite a hype nowadays. It has, has been related to many different health outcomes, also to cognitive functioning. Uh, it also makes sense. I talked about the vitamin D receptors in the brain. Uh, and, I, and what is also good to know is that the vitamin D status of uh, of the general population, but especially in children and in elderly, is, uh, is very marginal. So uh, a lot of people are deficient. Also meaning that giving extra vitamin D uh, gives, gives some room for improvement. When a situation is not optimal, you can add something. So that, uh, that makes it uh, more reliable. If I go into the research, uh, most of the studies are epidemiological studies, so observational. So we cannot say anything about uh, cause and uh, yeah, cause-effect relationships, but the major majority is, uh, is beneficial. There are only, to the best of my knowledge, three uh, randomized trials, but of yeah, not a very good quality. So uh, the field has to wait, uh, has to wait for that. Uh, have you currently running uh, studies in your lab with, with vitamin, vitamin D? D or uh, we have a study on B12 and we add vitamin D to be sure that that is also sufficient. Uh, and we don't have other studies uh, yet running, uh, but we are starting studies where we focus on muscle health, muscle function, but we add cognitive performance as an outcome measure as well. And we have some studies in, uh, in rats running who, uh, who get extra vitamin D. Okay. That, uh, so that's some vitamin D what, uh, what we have. Uh, the study where we add vitamin D, uh, it's 
the, the primary aim is uh, the, the effect of vitamin B12 and folic acid. And then we add vitamin D because the main outcome measure is uh, fractures. But the, the, the second outcome measure is cognitive performance. And it's a really large randomized controlled trial in three different centers. And uh, yeah, 3,000 people are included, elderly. So that's, that's a really large study. And the last measurements have just been performed. So uh, we are, the world actually is really waiting for the outcome because it's one of the largest studies that has okay. uh, supplemented elderly with for a period of two years, which is, uh, which is pretty long, yeah. but also needed because uh, what you see in many trials, yeah, they supplement for three or six months, but the process of cognitive decline is not a matter of weeks or months. It, it goes slowly. Yeah. So you have to be patient and look over the years. But tri these trials are really expensive, but uh, this is one of the, the nicest trials that we have uh, running at the moment on cognitive uh, functioning, yes. And with respect, for example, to the omega-3 fatty acids, what is really proven until now? What do really they proven? work? Do they improve cognitive function? Do they prevent cognitive decline? If you look at the observational studies, again, uh, quite a lot have been performed about, yeah, about 30 studies. Majority is, uh, is positive, so the more fish you consume or the more uh, may I inter interrupt you here yes. you are saying the more fish you consume yeah. fish is something different yeah. than omega-3 fatty acids yes. the more fish or omega-3 it depends on the study some look at fish some look at omega-3 and then it's indeed the question if you eat fish yeah what is it the omega-3 in the fish maybe there's another component of fish that does the does the trick you don't know, but the studies so far have been looked either to fish or the other one. When I put them all together, yeah, still thinking that it's the, yeah, the most logical nutrient would be EPA and DHA because of the important uh, function in the brain, etc. Majority is positive. Then if you go to the... But then you look into an aging population. Yeah. And you look in the literature with respect to children. Not to children. I'm only talking about aging now, but we can go to the research in children uh, later on because there the picture is a little bit, uh, little bit different, I think. Uh, when we look at aging, the, yeah, the first trials have been performed as well now. Uh, one of the trials I did during my PhD research. Yeah, and for the people at home, trials are really randomized controlled trials yes. and they are the proof of the public. Yeah, and they are really controlled. In observational studies, you just observe a population, uh, what are they eating, and you test them, what is their uh, cognitive performance. In a trial, you really, uh, yeah, you are manipulating the situation. So you give a certain group, yeah, you give one of your uh, populations, you give visual capsules, the other one gets a placebo. You follow them for a couple of months or years, and uh, you look if there is a difference. So that's very much controlled. Uh, the trials so far are also not very convincing. Uh, they have been put together in a systematic review. Uh, so yeah, maybe people ca can look that up somewhere, or otherwise I can uh, I can post a link or whatever. Um, based on that evidence, it shows that the trials performed in relatively healthy elderly, so who are not yet declining, you give them extra fish oil for a certain amount of time, you, you do not see any difference. If you look in demented people, you also don't see any difference. But if you look at the group that is in between, so people who already have some complaints, their differences are shown. And that's also what has been concluded in that uh, systematic review, and it's also a meta-analysis. So all the results of the studies have been analyzed together to see the effect. Uh, the reason behind it is, yeah, when people are still very healthy, there is not much to gain yet. When people are demented, you are too late because the processes that take place during this uh, decline of, of the brain, nerve cells are getting destroyed. You are too late, you can't restore them. But the period in between, yeah, you can still prevent that, that destruction. And, uh, so that's what the opinion is, uh, is now about the fatty acids in elderly. Elderly. You also want to say something about yeah, 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 yeah. unborn babies or childhood or, or, or adolescence? I don't know, but the adolescence, yeah, maybe <laughs> you even know more about that than me. But there is not so much research in adolescence. There has been some research uh, investigating, yeah, 
giving mothers, while they are pregnant, extra fish oil, and then they look at the cognitive performance of the, of the baby and the children in the few first few years of life. Uh, as to the best of my knowledge, it's not clear Rather yet. It's disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing. Not very convincing. And the same counts for if you give very young children uh, fish oil. Yeah, it's not convincing, yeah. to my opinion. I think most studies point to a very, very uh, nutritional programming effect. Eh? So very early in pregnancy, if you then supplement with omega-3 fatty acids, that might have an effect for later cognitive functioning. Yeah. But yeah. In that respect, it's very nice to look up the review papers for, uh, written by uh, Sima and uh, Maria Macrides from Australia, I think. Yeah, yeah, then, uh, yeah. One of the other nutrients where you like to elaborate uh, on? Um, I talked about alcohol. Yeah, Some people like coffee, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Because uh, most people like to start the day with coffee. They need it to become, uh, to become alert. Uh, that's also pretty clear. Caffeine has, uh, yeah, has an, uh, works on attention and works on memory on the short term. So that, uh, that seems to be pretty clear. Uh, yeah, we are talking about aging and cognitive decline. So then it's also nice to look at, uh, yeah, what, what does it do if you consume several uh, cups of coffee every day? What does that uh, mean in the end when you are growing older? Uh, yeah, one nice research also performed by uh, some of my colleagues. They looked in elderly men. Uh, they assessed uh, their coffee consumption and they looked at their cognitive decline over 10 years. And they showed that uh, men who consumed on average three cups of coffee per day had a lower decline in cognitive performance. So according to them, that is the, the optimal amount. But yeah, it, it, it's one study. Unfortunately, not like with the fatty acids, there's not a nice meta-analysis putting it all together. But uh, it's still nice uh, to mention, I yeah, think. Yeah. And uh, one of the most uh, um, recent methods to investigate brain function are MRI, fMRI studies. Are you aware of any of those in respect to nutrition and cognition? This is really an emerging field in the field of nutrition and uh, Cognition, of course, MRI studies are, are not new, but yeah, to look at nutritional effects, uh, making use of an MRI scanner, that's pretty new. So you can almost count the studies on omega-3 and MRI meshes on one hand and the on B vitamins on the other hand. That research, uh, on one hand, it looks, it looks promising, but so far they also looked at, at MRI, so at brain structures, how large certain structures are in the brain. Uh, they didn't look at functional MRI, which is yeah, for, for the really the functioning more interesting. So people are in the scanner, uh, you look at their nutritional status or you give them certain supplements, they perform tasks and then you can compare, uh, yeah, is one person with supplements or with a better status performing better than the other. I think again, one of the few studies done with respect to nutrients and, and fMRI are with the omega-3 fatty acids or not? Yes, that's also omega-3. Not in elderly, that's a study in adolescents, one of the few where they, uh, yeah, they supplemented children, uh, adolescents, I think they were about 13 to 18 years. year out, uh, yeah, 13 to 18 year. Um, and they were supplemented for eight weeks, only eight weeks, with, uh, with fish oil, and they indeed... Yeah, because it's important to supplement at least for three months, eh, to incorporate in the cell yes, membrane. Yes, but still they showed some difference on the cortical activity uh, when performing certain tasks. It's one study, and it, 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 sh it should really be replicated, and then it, it, it's a really nice study, because it was the first one. I, I was quite impressed, because... Uh, yeah. It's the first one, yeah. and wow, you can so show such an effect within two months. It would almost be a dream, but you never yeah. know, and it, it's definitely worthwhile to, to look further into that. And MRI is sometimes seen as a more objective measure than the commonly yeah. used paper and pencil test. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's also a matter of, of how you look at it. Yeah. Because, yeah, what's happening in MRI scanner, yeah, you see some areas that are yeah, showing up, that more blood is going into that area that gives a certain color. Yeah, but does that mean that people have mo need more effort to perform a does task? Does it really have clinical relevance? <coughs> <coughs> Remains yeah. the question. That's the question. Well, I could 
talk for hours with you about this uh, topic that I think I should also give the people at home yeah. a chance. Um, Hanneke Noordam is asking, what kind of methods do you use to assess the effect of nutrition on different domains of cognitive functioning or mental health, intelligence, executive functioning? Yeah, that's what we call paper and pencil tests because you go, yeah, you sit in a room with the, with the participant and you have a s different yeah, amount Yeah, that were the tests specifically for elderly, yeah? You for elderly, yeah. For children, it's more like playing certain kind of games. And uh, yeah, I, I did not perform research in children myself, but that's what I know. In elderly, it's paper, pencil. You give a certain assignment or you read a list of words aloud. You stop reading and then people have to, uh, yeah, to Which repeat. specific tests? Do you use? Maybe she wants to know some names. Some so names. A very famous one is the Stroop task. I also like that task very much because it's it's a little bit complicated. But yeah, I can explain the whole task, but uh, maybe people should uh, should Meshes look inhibition it inhibition behavior. It measures inhibition behavior. Yeah, uh, words uh, words are written in uh, in another color. Yeah, there's a certain color, and it's written in another color of ink. And that's very confusing. You have to uh, to name the color of the ink without reading the word. Yeah, people have to try. It's uh, it's complicated. Okay. Uh, Liedewijs Schipper asks, uh, do you know how long the effects of supplementation with vitamin D can last? In other words, do you lose your brain benefits if you stop with taking extra vitamin D? And this question also applies to other nutrients as well. Cool. Difficult question. Uh, if I would think about mechanisms, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, meaning that the body can, can store it to quite a large uh, extent. Vitamin C, for example, is, is water-soluble, so the excess amount you consume, you will, your body will, uh, will get away with it. Uh, so to a certain extent, you will, uh, you will store it. For how long your body can have the beneficial effect, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. No, but I also think the other way around, it's not ethical to uh, perform any uh, um, uh, studies in which you um, do, uh, take the, the, the supplement away yeah, for the, uh, from the people. Yes. Uh, so the status yeah. will be too low. That, that's not ethical. That's not ethical. That's why in our and B12 study, we also add vitamin D to all groups, even to the placebo group. So that's true. Uh, a dose finding study is also not very ethical in humans. That's what they often do in animals. Then you yeah. have the problem with the translation, but still. Yeah. But also, I still think the brain is relatively a protected area. So before yeah. you really see uh, a shortage of a certain nutrient, like in braining behavior, wouldn't that take quite a while? Probably. The body has also other ways to, to compensate for yeah. that often. Yeah. And also with vitamin D, I would be, it would be a risk uh, to give more and more, to have reserve, etc. Because uh, an advantage could be from the fat-soluble vitamins, you can have a storage. The disadvantage is that it can be toxic in too high amounts, like vitamin A as well. So you, you have to be careful uh, with that. Uh, the next question is from uh, Leonie Uitenwilge. Is it not extremely difficult to extract the nutrient effects on cognition? I mean, physical activity is something you either do or do not, but you consume very many nutrients the whole day. How do you make sure that the effect that you detect is the effect of one nutrient? Yeah, that's indeed uh, that's a very difficult uh, thing of performing research with, uh, with nutrients and... Uh yeah, and meals. Uh, the funny thing is that many years ago, people looked at yeah, dietary patterns or whole meals. Then we went back to individual nutrients because as scientists, we want to know, yeah, something is going on, but which nutrient is having the effect? But the last years, we are going back to dietary patterns. For example, Mediterranean diet, etc. Also because uh, nutritional effects, when the effects are relatively small. So that's maybe also why the amount of research that is really convincing is small. If you look at different nutrients together, so you have the Mediterranean diet and you have, you have the fish, you have a little bit of wine, you have the vegetables and the fruits, olive oil, all together they have small effects, but this, this synergic effect may be, may be larger. But it's difficult to say, yeah, which nutrient. If you have a supplementation study, you know which supplement 
you are uh, increasing and you have the placebo group to compare with. That's why it's so important to have these kind of trials because then you know that you randomize the people, you know the other factors are constant and your factor is, uh, is the variable factor. I think the next question fits perfectly with this. Uh, Nick van Wijk, intervention studies often only focus on one nutrient. Uh, nutrients can also have additive effects. Do you think combining several nutrients can have larger effect on cognitive performance? I think so, because the effects are small. Uh, they should not work against each other, of course, but uh, there are combinations of nutrients that show synergic uh, effects. And there are also some nice studies, yeah, I don't know if I can say company names, but they are performed by Danone. Uh, they have uh, Souvenate, which is a certain drink. I think Nick is from Danone. Oh, he is. <laughs> nah, then, he will, then he will know. But uh, I agree with that. And the, the studies they did are, are pretty convincing. And I think they, they overcome that problem of the small effects of one, of one nutrient. And then uh, yeah, finding the right balance between all the nutrients, which is uh, yeah, the best combination. Yeah, it may be a promising, uh, a promising way, but not satisfying for all scientists because there are still believers in fish oil and people will really want to know for each nutrient what does it do and why. But yeah, for me, uh, yeah, for me that's also important, but my primary aim is that yeah, if I think about cognitive decline, demented people, there's no cure, prevention is very important and then it doesn't matter by which nutrient, if you have a way to, to work on that. But if you have to choose, which nutrient is most convincing? <laughs> yeah, nice question. Most convincing. Then still the omega-3 fatty acids. And okay. maybe the B vitamins are... Satiated, a bit wait, hesitating. Yeah, yeah, let's wait for the research. And yeah, vitamin D is promising as well, but... We are, that feel, still m much has to be done in that, uh, in that area. The last question with respect to this blog comes from uh, Liedewij Schipper. Uh, what about the effects of Red Bull or other high glucose drinks that are advertised as helping your concentration? Is this boosting effect caused by a sudden high glucose supply to the brain? And is this then automatically followed by a glucose dip and temporal decline in concentration? Uh, about the glucose, about the energy drinks, they have been investigated, uh, yeah, pretty well. Uh, the beneficial effects are mostly not based on the glucose, but on the, the amount of caffeine. That is the boosting uh, nutrient in there, and not really the glucose. Okay. Uh, caffeine also has uh, is known of the dip afterwards, like glucose but still the caffeine is, uh, is boosting. The additional nutrients like tor taurine, for example, the research is, uh, is uh, very uh, limited in that area and also about the synergic effects of that. So what the, the good reviewers conclude is that you can also take a cup of coffee yeah. and you have the same effect. And I would also like to add, to add that the safety effects of the energy drinks are not very, very clear. So I would, uh, I would be a little bit careful in that, especially with, uh, with children. Okay. We finish block number two and we continue with block number three, the implications. Yeah. At this moment, what would be your advice? Just follow the dietary guidelines for a healthy diet. That's very global and very uh, general, but yeah, Th then you will be safe with most of your uh, nutrients. And then I mean, for in the Netherlands, we have the, yeah, the Richtlijn de Goede Voeding. Uh, in the, the United States, you have the food pyramid, for example, which explains pretty clear, yeah, that amount of bread, that amount of milk, you have to be careful with these foods. Yeah, then, then you are safe. For specific groups, uh, yeah, what, what at our uh, division of human nutrition, vitamin D is one of the critical nutrients which is advised for children and elderly. Then I would also go to the to the supplements, but that's that's I think the only nutrient where I would uh, where I would do that and advise that. Yeah, uh, is there also a different advice for different age groups? Uh, yeah, the advice is always based on uh, on age, for uh, of course. Uh, and for the supplements uh, like vitamin D, yes, that I would 
advice that for children and elderly, for uh, yeah, for common, yeah, for adults, healthy adults uh, like we. Yeah, I, I doubt if that is uh, is needed already. Maybe in the winter when there's not a lot of sunshine, because vitamin D, we, it is a nutrient, but actually in practice we, uh, our body can make vitamin D from sunlight. So if we have uh, a certain amount of sunlight, we, we, we can also have sufficient amount of vitamin D, but in winter this is really a, mm. a problem. And you already noted a bit yourself, eh, the difference between supplements and, and nutrition. Um, with the omega-3 uh, fatty acids, for example, what would you advise is if someone doesn't like to eat fish, are the capsules then a good alternative? Yeah, it's then it's a different question than if people eat fish. Uh, yeah, then I would say capsules better than no fish at all. Uh, that I say that it's yeah, it's based also on the guidelines where they advise one to two portions of fish per week. Although this is not primarily focused on uh, on cognitive functioning, but more on another outcome, which is cardiovascular disease. Uh, the guideline is based on that. So for that outcome, I would use it, and I, I, I'm sure it would not harm your cognitive performance. The other way around, it would, yeah. if it would be beneficial, you have that at the same time. But that also brings us to all the claims on many supplements. Eh? When, you, when you look at uh, a pot of pills, for example, and say improving your concentration, better learning performance, uh, yeah. uh, prevents memory decline. Is this really supported by any literature? Mm. Hardly. Hardly. And in a way, that's, that, that, that's, that's weird. We, we now have more and more clear regulations about that. So you can will also see that uh, the message on that uh, pot of pills is becoming more and more fake, which is also uh, logical, I think, because the, uh, the amount of evidence is, is not sufficient. Uh, what I sometimes personally struggling with, when is the amount of evidence sufficient? Are 10 studies needed? Do they all need to be positive? Yes or no? That, that is n stated nowhere, but the, the EFSA, the European uh, yeah, Federation for these regulations, they have some guidelines uh, for that. I, I don't know them by heart, but they, they thought about that. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What would be now your advice for parents, for example? Bring your children to school with a breakfast. But yeah. what should be in your breakfast? <laughs> bring them. Maybe elaborate a bit on the effect of breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I would definitely bring them to school with breakfast, uh, especially children, because they they have a longer sleep without any food, so they are depending on the, the yeah the glucose that the body is making on its own, but then at a certain time a glucose boost is, uh, is needed by means of carbohydrates, uh, which are an important component of, uh, of a breakfast. Uh, when I was in the train here, I read about which kind of breakfast. The research is not very clear about that. Uh, I think all of us know that there are certain breakfasts with a lot of added sugars. Uh, yeah, obviously this is not very healthy. I would go to the more natural sources and that or a piece of bread with cheese something simple but uh but then the whole grain bread of course yeah the whole grain bread and then preferably you have to drink some orange juice with it because the iron in the bread is absorbed better when you have some vitamin c Th that are things that are that are known but uh, it it would not say that it's the only healthy breakfast if people like to have milk with a kind of healthy cereal in it it's also good. It's all. It's always better than uh, than nothing. That that's pretty pretty clear. In the Netherlands, we do have an initiative, and it, it's called in Dutch Gruiten. That does mean that <coughs> in a certain period, the school provides to all the students once a week a piece of fruit. Uh, we do have the Dutch National uh, Breakfast uh, Initiative once a year. What do you think about those kind of initiatives? Uh, is the government taking here a good step? Or? I think so. Yeah, I think every step that they make that could be, uh, yeah, could be helpful in improving the the diets and uh, the, the individual components of the diet is is good. I also know, and uh, yeah, by the research that has been done on that, and 
also by uh, yeah, some personal experiences that, that it's working. That, that, that way, uh, yeah, children also become aware of it. Uh, they, they, they just get used to it, to yeah. having their fruits, and it's, it's becoming part of their, their lives, and then it's becoming normal, like otherwise a cookie yeah. could be yeah. normal, although they would still maybe prefer the cookie if they yeah. can choose. Yeah. But I absolutely agree with you. The initiative is wonderful. However, the message from once a week a piece of fruit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that, that, that should be a more bit disappointing, I think. But I can imagine that yeah, maybe it's the first step and yeah. you have to go further. I yeah. think financially it w would be a problem to, uh, yeah. to incorporate it otherwise. We already talked about the way how to measure cognitive function in this kind of research, but how to measure food intake? Are there any simple short questionnaires to measure food to intake? Measure food intake. There are some simple short questionnaires to measure yeah, nutritional status, but these are more based on uh, body weight, uh, to what extent people lost weight during the last uh, few months, for example. To measure a complete food intake, these questionnaires are long, because uh, many nutrients are components of so many different foods. If you think, for example, about folic acid and all the kind of foods they are in, when you want to have a, a good overview uh, of the amounts people eat, you have to, to ask all these different uh, foods one by one, otherwise your, your overview will never be complete. So unfortunately, no. Yeah. No. Okay. But better a long questionnaire, which is good, than a short questionnaire, which is not reliable, I would say. Yeah. Uh, we go to the chats. Uh, Martin van Dijk is asking, what does the industry, and he's calling, two companies, Danone and Unilever, mm -hmm. do on this moment with the scientific knowledge? Is there already a butter against dementia, for example? There's no butter against dementia. There is a butter from, uh, from Unilever, which, uh, yeah, which they prescribe, yeah, not prescribe, but which they advertise with, and it's good for uh, brain development. This is based on the omega-3 fatty acids. The claim has been adjusted, so it's not... Uh, not very clear, but what they say is that uh, these fatty acids are an important building block of the, of for the brain, which which is true. But to what amounts? Yeah, it is too logical. It is logical to think they are a building block, so yeah. they will work. But it has not been yeah. uh, scientifically proven. Uh, the other company, yeah, that and I think it's very good that companies now have to work regarding uh, yeah. those EFSA guidelines. Eh, it of is. Course. It's frustrating for them, maybe, but but it is important because people also you pay more for that particular uh, butter than for the regular one. So yeah, and then if the company only earns because of a message that may be misleading, that's not very fair in uh, in my opinion. Uh, Leonie Uitenwilge is asking if certain nutrients are preventing cognitive decline. Should you inform elderly homes or Tafeltje Dekje, that's a service in the Netherlands who uh, uh, provides elderly in their own homes with uh, their daily meals, um, uh, should you inform them uh, what to serve their clients? Yeah. And then I, I start to think about the difficulties. You, maybe you should inform them, but what should you tell them? Even for me, it's already difficult to very clearly say, okay, yeah, they, have to, they must eat fish twice a week, or they must eat that. Eat that. It, it's, it's fake. Uh, if they look at the dietary guidelines and try to adhere as much to that as possible, and I think in elderly homes they have another problem, that maybe what they serve is good, but what do people in practice eat of it? That's... That's another thing, and yeah. they can also work on that. Uh, for example, the ambience in which the food is served, it's, it's improving the intake of, uh, of elderly people. If they just get a, a plate and that's it, but if you have a nice, some candles and some nice things, it's, we have shown also that that is improving intake. Because that's the other side, of course. Yeah. yeah. If they don't eat it. Okay. Well, I think time is over now. Um, I would like to finish with three statements. And again, yeah. I would like to have the, your reaction uh, upon them. Number one, healthy diet will prevent dementia. I would still say yes, because with saying no, no, try to focus on that as much as, uh, as possible. Even though healthy diet, that's maybe the question mark. What is the healthy diet? But 
I'm, okay. I'm convinced that healthy diet could prevent, yeah. Number two, a healthy diet will improve school performance. I would also say yes to that one. Okay. With, With the question mark on restrictions the of healthy diets. Yeah. 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 Referring to the guidelines again and but these are not based on okay. cognitive function in particular. And number three, it is advisable to eat directly for your axiom to uh, perform better. Not directly. Uh, there should be a certain amount of time for what you eat that the body can absorb it. But it's it's definitely good to eat to eat something which has some glucose, some carbohydrates, maybe some protein to uh, to do that. If you eat uh, some fish oil uh, pretty short before your exam, don't expect acute effects of the of that, for example. But for some other takes three months. It takes three months and uh, still, uh, yeah. But for the other ones, yeah. Okay. Do you have any take-home messages for our listeners? More than I already said. <laughs> not, not in particular. No. Not in particular. Eat healthy, have a very diet. Uh, yeah. I think that's a very clear that's one. A uh, yeah, that's pretty clear, but, uh, but uh, not in particular. Yep. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Ondine, thank you very much for your wonderful contribution to this uh, digital spring school. We learned a lot from you and uh, you gave us a lot to think about. Yeah, this uh, further uh, thinking uh, will we also do the coming week within our uh, learning activities. And uh, next week we also go into more detail with Dr. Anya, uh, nee, Dr. Tanya Adam and uh, Dr. Esme Dutz, who will give their two uh, paper presentations. And I uh, hope to welcome you all back again next week. Thank you. <laughs>